building your faith this morning. Building your faith. Building your faith. And uh, let me apologize. I, on the back of your bulletin, it's blank. And last week, it was nice and pretty. And there was places for you to write on. You can write on it yourself, okay? Uh, just uh, ran some technical difficulties. Um, and the technical difficulty is technically I just didn't get it done. So uh, next week will be better. But you can flip over on the back side, and uh, there's pins right around there, and you can write on those things and uh, take notes if you'd like to. But faith, building your faith. And so faith, so many times when we talk about faith, we think about the supernatural outward works of the Holy Spirit. So so many times when we're talking about it, we talk about someone, right, you know, they needed, uh, they needed healing in their body. And so we prayed and, and God healed their body. Or they need a financial, they have a financial need, or maybe they need a job or, or something like that. So when we, we hear the word faith a lot of times, we immediately jump to that point. We actually like to quote this verse. This is a great verse, Matthew, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. And it says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say this mountain move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, this is really great stuff. But sadly, in America, that's all we tend to focus on. We just focus on what am I getting, right? What is faith doing for me instead of focusing on what can faith become in my life, in my relationship with Almighty God? You see, we have popular preachers, you know, and and I'm not down in the preachers, okay? But I'm just saying, we have all these popular preachers that focus on benefiting and reaping the benefits from, from this faith that we talk about. But we need to focus more on the God that we have faith in. And that's why we're talking about building our faith. Now, how important is faith? Let's find out here. In, uh, I'm sorry. If you don't have the app, the Unlimited Church app, you can download the app and you can follow along all the scriptures that I'm going to be giving this morning will be in the app. There'll be a little, a little blue icon at the bottom of the app and you can click on that. Every time a new scripture comes up on this screen right here, then you will have a scripture on your phone. So you don't have to, to be looking around through it and looking for it. Uh, also, you know, if you have your Bible, you can jump over there if you just have a regular Bible too. But the app, we have a lot of great things in our app, but that's one of the awesome things that we have there. And we're also going to be building in. Our- it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, did you get that? If you do not have faith, you cannot please God. If you do not have faith, you cannot please God. So this right here is why faith is important. Because if you don't have this part down, then everything else really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So what is faith? And it it would probably be good if we all knew what faith is, right? What is the definition of faith? And this is what's so cool is the Bible gives us a definition of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, we get this definition. It says... Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. See, faith is something that you cannot see, but you are positive. You have no doubt that it is real. So if you have faith in something, right, you have faith that the person sitting next to you is a real person. Okay, that's faith. Now, husbands and wives, 
Don't hit each other, okay, just to find out. Because that person is real. That, you have faith that this person right here, but see, you can see that person. But when the Bible talks about it, it says things that we hope for, but we can't see it. Right? You can see that person next to you. So this biblical faith is something that you can't see. Now, there's a book that was written by apologist Dr. Frank Turek titled, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. You see, an atheist has to believe in something they can't see, feel, or touch. A lot like Christianity. But the difference between an atheist and a believer in Christ is that we actually, as Christians, have grounded facts to back up our faith. And they really have none, just theories. We have a lot of facts. We have the Bible. And it's been historically, it has been proven factual over and over again. They've done digs here and digs there. Oh, we're going to disprove that the Bible exists. And every time they try to disprove that, that the things in the Bible don't exist, that it's not real, guess what? They end up proving that it exists. So we, we have that, and, and atheists don't. So, you know, atheists believe that, we came out of nothing. I mean, you know, like there was nothing and all of a sudden, boom, here we are. That's hard. That's, 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 that's a, you have to have a lot of faith to do that, okay? A lot of faith. But we have, as, as a Christian, we have faith that we have a God that created us. So faith is being sure of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. So what kind of faith are we seeing in America? American Christians. Let's talk about American Christians. I'm not going to talk about other people because I want to talk about people who go to church. What kind of faith do American Christians have? Here's, here's a few little cool th- statistics or scary ones, I guess you would say. 74% of Christians do not believe Satan is a living being. 74%. 75% of Christians do not believe the Holy Spirit is a living entity. And 54% of Christians believe that Jesus sinned when he was on earth. This is a huge problem. Because all of these things I just said are contrary to what we are taught in the Bible. It's contrary. And that last one I gave, that's really bad. Because if Jesus sinned while he was on earth, then his death on the cross was in vain. Because we had to have a sinless lamb sacrificed for our sins. And so if he sinned, then being a Christian is not even, there's no reason in it. So 54% of Christians believe that. Now how is it that Christians would believe something that's contrary to what the Bible says? We're going to look at some more facts that that are going to shock you. LifeWay Research found that two of every ten church attenders read the Bible every day. Two out of every 10, two out of every 10, and two out of every 10 read their Bible one time a week. Do you get that? Only 20% of people who go to church read their Bible every day. 20%. Now, I'm going to say that if you went to school, to college, and you only read your textbook Once in a great while, unless you just had like an awesome teacher up there that gave you all the answers, you're probably going to fail. I just, that's my, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're smarter than than, than a fifth grader, but, you know, 
I think you're probably going to fail. Now, I thought that first number was bad, right? 20% don't read their Bible every day. But I would have thought that the next number, 20%, only read it one time a week. I thought, surely Christians, at least 80% read their Bible once a week. But you know what? Did you know that people who say that faith in Christ is important to them only attend church 28 times a year? 28 times. That's about half of the year they go to church. And they say that faith in Christ is important to them. Again, let's go back to that scenario. If we said in in college, well, college is important to me, but I'm going to only attend 50% of the time. Let me tell you something. Not only would you fail, you'd probably get kicked out of that class. So we wonder, why are we going this direction? Why do we see these kind of things that Christians believe these kind of things. We're starting to to form, form something here, right? So these Christians that say that this is important to them, but don't read their Bible, don't go to church. So when we look at this, we say, how do we correct this? Well, it seems hard, but really it's, it's, it's just simple. First, you must study your Bible. That's the first thing that you should do. See, the scriptures challenge us to do this in 2 Timothy 2.15, where it says, study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and skillfully teaching the word of truth. So simple. The Bible makes it so simple, but only 20% of Christians do this. So now we're starting to see why Christians struggle in their faith. Now, when it comes to reading your Bible, the president of Lifeway Research, Ed Stetcher, said this. Bible engagement has an impact in just about every area of spiritual growth. You can follow Christ and see Christianity as your source of truth, but if that truth does not permeate your thoughts, aspirations, and actions, you're not fully engaging in the truth. You have to allow it to permeate everything about you. You have to read it. You have to believe it. You have to understand it. This is the first people, reason that people are falling away from the relationship in Jesus. They don't even know what he has said. They don't know what he's saying. Everybody's waiting for somebody to come up and tell them what to do or, or how they should live their life. When we have a great, we have a great book called the Bible. There, somebody said one time that the, the, term, uh, the definition of Bible was basic instructions before leaving earth. But we don't even open that instruction manual. Now, the second thing we can build our faith on is faith is prayer. You must pray so that you can stand in the face of temptation. Now, Jesus showed us how to do this, how to pray so we can stand when temptation comes. And if you don't think temptation is going to come, temptation is going to come. We don't live in a society where everybody's patting you on the back because you do good things. There's a lot of wrong things going on that people are getting patted on the back for. You could do a lot of right and get sued. So there's temptations going to come. So Jesus showed us in Luke 22, 39 through 46. Let's look at this little story real quick. And accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray 
that you will not give in to temptation. Just a little side note, this is when right before Jesus was going to be arrested and, and uh, put on trial and then murdered. He walked away about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared, strengthened him. He prayed more fervently. Now Jesus is continuing to pray. He's getting even more fervent. The Bible actually says that in, in, in one of the uh, Gospels, he says that he was praying so hard that his sweat was like drops of blood. I mean, that's how, well, that's what I'm reading right here. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Sometimes I surprise myself. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He returns and the disciples are not praying like he had asked them to do, like he commanded them to do. Instead, they are sleeping. He says, get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. The story continues, and you probably have heard the story of Peter denying Christ three times. And Peter says, I'm not going to do that. But here Peter is with Jesus, and he doesn't take time to pray. He doesn't take time to pray. And Jesus says, pray, come on, so you don't give in to temptation. And he gives in to temptation. We see that the, the, uh, the disciples scattered. They were scared when this happened. They were scared. Of course, we always look at Peter. He's the worst, right? Because he's the one who denied Christ openly. But, hey, they all ran their own way. They were all scared of what was fixing to happen. What had happened to their Savior? What had happened to their king, the person that was going to overthrow the government, who was going to be their Messiah? Without prayer, we can lose our faith. We must pray. We must pray. And just like the numbers that I gave you earlier, 28 times a year is how many times a person goes to church. Now, I'll tell you, when I grew up, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Every time the doors was open, we was in church and we had a farm. If the preacher was going to wash the windows, we was in church to watch him wash those windows, right? We were always in church. I might have hay down my, in my shirt down my back, but I was going to be in church. That's just the way it was. But we struggle with our faith because not only do we not do do we not uh, read our bible but we don't pray and the statistics of what people pray every day is ridiculous folks i mean like one to two minutes if you're lucky people are praying and the word tells us to pray without ceasing to be continuously in prayer but instead we don't even take time to pray think about yourself think about your life this week think about what you've went through when something happened, were you praying? When it was good, were you saying, hey, Jesus, thank you, God, thank you so much for what you did for me? And when it was bad, were you going, oh, God, would you just give me direction? Would you give me wisdom in this? It's even hard for us to do that. We don't look that way first. God is the one who saves us and makes us whole. He's the one that directs us and guides us into all truth. We need to talk to the, to the man who made us, to the God who made us. We need to talk to him. He's the one who cares. He's the one that even when our brothers and sisters abandon us, he sticks with us. The Bible says he sticks closer than a brother. That's what Jesus does. So we went through the first two things, right, that uh, we don't read our Bible. We need, to pr- we need to read our Bible. We need to pray. We need to study. We need to pray. The third thing, we need to meet together as a church family in one place. We need to meet together as a church family 
in one place. Today, we have technology, and let me tell you something. I love technology. I love smartphones and tablets and smart TVs. I'm telling you, you know, you can watch, you, you know, you can watch sports or other stuff anywhere. You can be at Chick-fil-A or at home, and it's all there. I just love technology. I mean, if you look at, at what we have up here, I mean, in, in sound system, all of this is technology. But, but we, we have all this technology, like the, like the Unlimited app. That, that, I think that's cool, too. I hope that you all download that if you haven't already. Our website. We can really stay connected by looking at those things. But I want you to think about something. How many of you are on Facebook? Everybody on, is anybody on Facebook? One person? Two people? All right, all right. Well, we got a few people in here. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand at this, how many of you got 200 friends on Facebook? Yeah, I mean, how many of you are really friends with those 200 people? Or 300? Or like my friend, I think she's got like 1,000. And she goes, man, I don't even know what to do these people are, but they want to be my friend. You know, the, the word friend on Facebook, I mean, Zuckerberg, right? That's the guy who made Facebook or who's, who's in charge of it. Man, that guy has messed us up because we term it friend when they're just acquaintances if we're lucky. They may not even be acquaintances. They may just saw something that, that we did, and they just say, hey, man, I'm going to follow this person. I want to pay attention to what they're doing. So the terminology friend even, b- because of technology, has been hijacked. We don't even have friends. We, then we get to talking to other people, and anybody ever get upset because, you know, you look on there and go, man, nobody liked my post. Especially so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I mean, you know, technology is great. And we think we're connected through social media, but we're really not. It's just, it says that, but we're not. The Word says in Hebrews 25, here's another reason why we should meet together. It says in 25, verse 25 of chapter 10 of Hebrews, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So why do we meet together? Why do we have church? Someone said, well, that, uh, that's what we've always done. You know, I was a kid. I, I went to church when I was a kid, so I'm, that's what I'm doing now. I'm continuing to go to church. One of the things that they did that was so important back in this time, you've got to understand, they were going through extreme persecution. I mean, they could lose their lives. They could lose their lives because the religious people would kill them. The Apostle Paul was one of those people for a long time before he, when he was Saul. He went around killing people who had faith, who followed the way, as the Bible said, who had faith in Christ. So when, when they would meet together, and they, this happens in North Korea. When they would meet together, they met to encourage each other. They met to encourage each other. You know, last week uh, we, I, I talked to you about two things about church, that this church is. Number one, it's a safe place. It's a safe place for you to come no matter what your problems are. It's a safe place. But it's also a starting point to connect to God. So church was a safe place. It was a place to come and encourage each other. Maybe they were persecuted. Maybe they didn't have a whole lot of food that week. Maybe somebody in their family had been tortured or killed because of their faith. See, today, church has become more of a social status. Well, I went to church, check mark. Check in, check in, I was at church. Where was you Sunday morning? Well, I went to church. I was there for an hour. And that's as far as it goes. 
But for them, church was so important. It was a place to encourage each other. It was a place to study, to learn, to connect with each other, to pray with each other, and talk to to each other about the things that they were going through. See, the USA, we don't really have to worry about that. You know, the last couple hundred years, you know, we've had religious freedom, and we can come to church, and we don't have to think about those things. But I can tell you story after story of people in North, uh, North Korea, China, and some other parts of the world. There's 52 countries that just the, the, the emblem of the cross, the symbol of the cross, is a, it's illegal. I mean, you can get thrown in jail for it. In North Korea, you get put in a hard labor and don't ever show back up, which means, you, you know, you're dead. You can't even hand a Bible to somebody. There's a, th- th- this man, he, he, he journeys every year. Across the river, goes to China, and he, and he gets a Bible. And then he travels back home, and he, digs, he has a hole in his backyard. He digs a hole in his backyard. He wraps that Bible up, and he sticks it in the, in, in the yard. So he'd been doing this about six or seven years, and he came, came back, and the, the, the people who were, were, uh, had these Bibles that were getting them to him, the underground church in China, they interviewed him, uh, said, so when are you going to give these Bibles away? See, the reason he's bearing them is so he doesn't get in trouble, so he doesn't disappear. He says, when are you going to give these Bibles away? He says, well, I'm not ready to die yet. Now, this guy's already taken a huge risk having to pass guard stations and different things like that. I'm not ready to die yet. See, in America, we don't have to worry about that. You came to church this morning, you got an app. You've got the Bible app. You've got some, something. You got a, maybe you have your Bible in your hand, and you didn't worry about it. No big deal. Nobody's going to say anything. I can worship this morning. I can come in and worship, and nobody's going to say anything about it. See, as American Christians, our faith is deteriorating because we are neglecting the things that we need to do to build our faith. Instead, we sit back, and we relax, we listen to some, some music, and we listen to some preaching, and we go home. See, when I say study your Bible, that's during the week. That's not on Sunday. It's during the week. When I say pray, yeah, you can pray on Sunday, but what about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? You know, what about the other days of the week? And then we do have the time that we get together, and we, we focus on uh, an opportunity to worship the Lord on Sundays. And we meet and encourage each other. And that's what we're here for. That's what this church is here for. It's here to encourage you, to strengthen you, to give you a safe place, to give you a place where you can come and relax, no matter who you are, and experience a God who loves you so much. I don't want Unlimited to be a church where only 20% read their Bible. I want to encourage you, read. Where do I start? You know, there's Acts, there's John, Mark. I'd start the New Testament. You want to? You want some fun stories? I mean, you know, you can jump over to the Old Testament. There's some crazy stuff that goes on there. You want? You want some really? You want rated R stuff? Go to Judges. You know, uh, it's kind of bloody and gory, but hey, you know, uh, there's no filters on it either. So be careful there. The Bible is very interesting. It's not boring, believe me. Now, don't, don't jump into Leviticus and read it because then you'll come back and go, you lied to me, Adam. That was very boring. It's okay. 
Do not read Leviticus. Do not read Deuteronomy, all right? Do that afterwards, okay? Get, get going first. But find a place. Find a place where you can start reading, where you can start learning, where you can start studying. And then the next time you're talking to somebody, say, you know what? You know what? I was reading this the other day, and this really touched me. This really blessed me. And I just said, I need to tell somebody about it. And all of a sudden, they'd be like, oh, well, maybe I need to read that too. Be an example. We want to be strong in the word. We want to encourage each other. We want to pray and listen to God. We want to pray and listen to God. Now today, maybe you're struggling with your faith. Maybe you're saying, you know, I came in here this morning. I, I, I don't know. I got some things going on in my life, and God isn't really right there. I don't even know if I trust God. I don't even know if I have faith in God. Maybe you believe God exists, but you're like, you know, this God, he has nothing to do with my life. The musicians will come on forward. God has nothing to do with my life. He has a lot to do with your life. See, I believe you're here for a purpose. I don't believe it's a happenstance that you showed up today. I believe that God put you here for a reason. What's that reason? I don't know. I'm I'm not God. I'm I'm not in your brain. But he is. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants the best for you. He really does. He wants the best for you. And you know, all the bad things that happen to you, listen, that's not God. It may have happened. He can allow things to happen in your life. But he is not there trying to hurt you and to trying to pull you down. That's not what he's there for. He's there, like I said earlier, to to stick closer than a brother. To stick closer. Listen, my brother and I are best friends. I mean, we are close. But there's times... There's times he and I have, you know, kind of had it out. Anybody got a brother or sister you've had it out with them before? Yeah. There's times that that things aren't great. I mean, we've always come back to each other. But you know, God, he never, never leaves us. You may have read that poem. It talks about the footprints in the sand, and he says, you know, there's two footprints, and then there's one set of footprints, and he says... God, why did you leave me? He said, I didn't leave you. I was carrying you during that time. See, that's what God does for us. When we go through those struggles, he's there for us. Because it could be a lot worse, folks. Without God, it can be a lot worse. He cares for you. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. So if you just bow your head, close your eyes for a second. I want to give you an opportunity. If you have never made a commitment to Christ or maybe you have made a commitment to Christ and you say you know I'm not living for the Lord right now and I just want to make a commitment this morning because I want this faith in God I want this Jesus in my life I want him to touch me and and I need him and if that's you this morning I'm going to give you an opportunity Just, just raise your hand up I'm not asking you to do anything, just just say, you know, this morning, I just need Jesus. I just need Jesus. Or 
maybe you're here this morning and you say, Adam, I'm, I'm here and I just, I just need some help. I, I've got some issues. I know that God can do something for me, but I need somebody to agree with me and pray with me. Whatever it is. If if that's you, raise your hand so I can pray with you this morning. So I can pray with you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to the Lord right now. Lord, God, you are an awesome God. You're a great God. I love you. Lord, we pray for those that raise their hand that says they're struggling with something right now, whatever the situation, whatever they're going through. God, we know that you can change their reality. You can change the future. You can take care of them. So God, right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now. Holy Spirit, right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, touch that need right now, Jesus. Right now, I want you to lift it to him. I just want you to, to verbalize to Jesus what that need is. You can just verbalize it in your head. Just say, God, this is what I need your help with right now. And we're agreeing. The Bible says we're two or three. Agree. Asking anything, it'll be done for them. We agree right now, Jesus. It says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Surrender to him right now. Surrender that problem to him right now. I know it's hard. A lot of hard things we go through and we just want to hold on to it because we'll, we'll, we'll fix it. We'll surrender to Jesus right now. Say, God, I, I really can't do it, but I know you can. I have faith. Right now, I have faith. I have faith that you're going to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I am believing right now that you're going to do it, that we're going to surrender all of it to you know that old hymn, let's sing that verse, that chorus. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed
thank you for being here. Clay's going to come and speak, speak to you just for a second, and then we'll be dismissed. Clay, we're going to take up our offering right now. Uh, just want to pray to the Lord.